Welcome to this episode of CVIA's BizCast. Katie Krasik and I recently sat down with Bill Villano, president and CEO of Workforce Alliance, covering the South Central region of the state. We asked Bill about the Workforce Alliance, their manufacturing training program called SkillUp, what industries are most in demand right now, and what businesses and policymakers can do to foster workforce development in the state. This is a really great conversation. And as the CBIA lobbyist who's covering workforce development issues this year at the state capitol uh, during this legislative session, I'm really excited to hear that Connecticut's already doing amazing things to train people and fill these vacant manufacturing and other in-demand industry jobs. But there's also so much more that the state and businesses can do together to continue to fill that skills and vacancy gap. So whether you're a business owner looking to expand your workforce, whether you're an elected official who wants to know what you can do to support workforce development, or if you're a young person that's interested in building a career right here in Connecticut, I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. So Bill, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for inviting me. So first, just to start, what is Workforce Alliance? Uh, Workforce Alliance is one of five workforce boards in the state and one of 500 in the country. And we're responsible for administering and overseeing federal and state and private uh, job training funds. We are a private sector majority board, private sector led, um, and we work our, the region that Workforce Alliance works in is South Central Connecticut, which is basically Greater New Haven and Middlesex County. So I go from Milford to Old Saybrook on up to Cromwell, Portland, like that. Okay, are there other um, different Workforce Alliances or groups that do the same work you do, but in different parts of Connecticut? Yeah, there are, there are as I said, there are five of us. Um, it, we all, we're all Workforce Boards, we all have a different name. Uh, there's uh, one that has the eastern third of the state. There's a Hartford board. It's called Capital Workforce Partners. Uh, basically, Danbury, Torrington, and then you know Bridgeport, Fairfield County is the other. Okay. So, what are your priority industries primarily? Well, uh, we don't necessarily have a priority industry, but we we work with sectors where the demand is increasing. And uh, initially, at least for the last year or so, we've been concentrating heavily on manufacturing. You know, your, your actually CBIA information a few years ago showed that there was uh, 13,000 manufacturing openings. Uh, lately, it's dropped and different estimates have been in the six to eight to 10,000, but still significant number of manufacturing openings. We do have some very good manufacturing training programs in the state that are run by the community college and run by the voc tech, vocational technical schools. But Collectively, they only produce about 600 graduates a year. You know, so if you do the math, 600 graduates a year compared to six, eight, ten thousand, whatever the number is. So we've been working on a program that was developed by my counterpart in the East. Uh, that is a, a, an accelerated, very comprehensive, short-term manufacturing training program. So what is that program? The program is called Skill Up. Uh, it was developed by my counterpart in the East, as I mentioned. Uh, he, basically what they did is they met with a number of manufacturers and in the East, you know, there's electric boat. So that's the, that's the big boy in the region. So what they did is they went and they said, what kind of training program could we develop 
that would give people the core competencies needed so that whether they went to work at Electric Boat or whether they went to work at a 20-person fabrication shop, they would have what you need, understanding that they would need the balance of the training on the job. So they developed uh, a five-week, it's, it's a 250-hour program, uh, covers uh, a number of elements. You know, there's a blueprint reading, there's safety, there's uh, a lot of measurement, there's drilling and, and all, you know, all of the basics that, that people need to go into a, into a shop. And it's been very successful. In, in the last three years, that program has placed 1,500 people in 180 companies around that's, the state. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's off the charts. So we are, we are in the process of replicating that program. Uh, we're kind of new into it. We've, we've got about 100 or so graduates so far working with uh, both Gateway Community College in New Haven and Middlesex Community College in Middletown. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's going very well. What do the students uh, look like or where do they come from? Um, have they been in the workforce before? Are they coming right out of high school, college? Well, to answer your question initially, you know, they range from 18 to 55 plus. It's really all over. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we've had applicants from about 40 of the towns in, in Connecticut that have come through this program. But the most interesting, I think, statistic of all is that 80% of the people who go through the program have had no manufacturing experience whatsoever. Wow, really? And in that period of time, you know, learn the basics and uh, to the point of, of being a valuable entry-level employee. You know, we had one company uh, in Old Saybrook where the president told me that she was spending $100,000 a year on temporary help, you know, to try to, 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 to meet her need and now has done all of the hiring through this skill up program. Uh, it's a pipeline program. It's, is it a free program? Yeah. 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 Do you want it's to elaborate free. on? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the only, the only real criteria for eligibility is that you have to be over 18. You have to have a high school diploma or a GED and you have to be legal, <laughs> legal okay. you know, to, you know, to work in the, in the country. In the United States. Yeah. Um, and do they have to show, do the applicants have to show an interest in manufacturing? I mean, I would assume if they're applying. Yeah, you know, we had a we had an event at, at uh, my office yesterday with uh, Congresswoman, uh, Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro uh, coming into, to, it was a press event to update people on uh, some of the uh, elements in the budget that was just passed, federal budget, but also to talk to people who have been through the program. And we had a couple of graduates there and I, I think they were typical. One was a, was a woman who was probably in her 50s who had been a receptionist in a doctor's office for a long time. Uh, the other was a, was a guy who was probably 35 or 40 that you know, just said I'd been doing a bunch of dead-end jobs and part-time jobs and things and decided that I really needed to do something that was, you know, was going to give me a career. You know, and I, I think that's typical of the people coming in. A lot of people who... Um, uh, are, are working part-time jobs or are working a job and just looking for something that's a little bit different. You know, uh, certainly a manufacturing job puts you on a very good career track in terms of, you know, money and benefits and things like that. That was actually my next question about lawmakers. What, what role do they have in this, maybe on the state level or in the national level? How can they help skill up? Well, actually, uh, they they are the, uh, the reason that, that we're actually running this program. So, 
the program that I mentioned in the East was started with a federal grant, uh, a Federal Department of Labor grant. And the legislature was looking to replicate that program. So uh, two sessions ago, they passed a $50 million bond bill to replicate the manufacturing pipeline, but also to provide for similar programs where there is a significant need and where the, the kind of pipeline approach would, would work. Uh, just uh, when Malloy, Governor Malloy was leaving, he, he released $5 million of that bond funds. It was a competitive bid. We were fortunate enough to win 3.5 million of that five. Uh, there's another 10 million that's just been released uh, and we're in the process, uh, the five boards are in the process of, of uh, submitting applications for that. You know, we're, our next venture is going to be uh, into healthcare and uh, into hospitality. People think of housekeeping and you know that kind of thing when they talk about hospitality, but there's a, a number of uh, front of the house jobs, back of the house jobs, event planning, you know, and, and all of the kinds of IT and accounting jobs that you would think are there. And there are thousands of openings in the hospitality industry. And in my area, we've had probably three or four new hotels open up in the last year or so with another six or eight on the books. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really growing. And healthcare, you know, there's always a demand in healthcare. Healthcare and hospitality. So are those the two, um, you know, maybe coming right after manufacturing? Are those the two industries right now in Connecticut that are um, the most in demand yeah. at the moment? So what I can tell you is for forever, for, you know, the last 20 years, um, healthcare and education related services have been the number one and two in the state. And manufacturing had always been at the bottom of the barrel, you know, I mean, really, you know, had continued to shed jobs and, and bottomed out somewhere around 150 or 160,000 jobs. But they've been growing during, I think, uh, most of 18 and part of 19, they led the state in job, job growth, which was, you know, absolutely unheard of. It just had never happened in a while. So, uh, you know, so there still are, as I said, still are lots of openings in manufacturing, you know, healthcare. Uh, I read something, it might have even been in a CBIA publication about um, uh, Hartford Hospital, you know, something like 2,200 jobs. I mean, just really, really uh, significant demand. You know, we're, we're an old state, we're aging, you know, uh, healthcare is changing. Uh, so uh, what, what we're gonna do uh, in, in this next go around with the bond funding is people who are either pharmacy techs or surgical techs um, and people, and I don't remember the exact title, but it's the people who do the sterilization of the things that uh, for operating rooms, you know, all the equipment, you know, that, that kind of stuff. So, um, and we're working with them in the same way. Th th these programs are interesting because they're, they're demand driven in the sense that employers are designing the program, right? They, the, the program in the East was designed by, by employers. The uh, assessment, which is kind of a tough assessment, was designed by them and they sit on advisory committees and continue to work with us uh, to constantly try to improve the program and make it better. Your board is, you said, made up um, of private sector, um, yeah, it's a majority, 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 private majority business and it needs to be chaired, uh, required to be chaired by business. But, you know, there are uh, economic representatives from economic development, from education, uh, from uh, community organizations. 
typical typical board, variety. you know, to, to, to help bring the diversity and, you know, opinion and, and help kind of design what we do. Yeah, absolutely. So how do businesses get involved with the Workforce Alliance? If they, if there was a manufacturer who had never reached out to your organization and they're obviously looking to hire, um, looking to expand their business, how do they go about that? Um, well, uh, from a manufacturing standpoint, the person on my staff uh, who uh, runs this uh, overseas is called is Steve Johnson. He's our business services representative. Uh, his number is 203-867-4030, extension uh, 233. Or you can just call Workforce Alliance and ask for me, Bill Volano, and you know, and uh, I'll put you in the right, <laughs> point you in the right direction. So it's just a simple, a simple phone call, right. and right. you guys right. walk businesses through the process yeah. of you know we, getting connected right. with students. But we were formed in 1978, so we've been in this business for a while. Um, you know, we have a lot of business. I mean, you know, business is really our primary customer. I mean, they're they're the end user of our product, if you will. Um, so uh, we work, you know, with. Uh, manufacturing associations, uh, with chamber groups, you know, with other, other business groups. Um, and, you know, like I say, being around for a long time, we have a lot of relations built up, but you know, you can go to our website, which is workforcealliance.biz, B-I-Z, um, and uh, find out information there and all contact information is there. So the Workforce Alliance um, receives federal funding and also state funding, as you were just mentioning. Right, right. So at the state level, um, you know, there was a release by the uh, Senate Democrats just the other day um, talking about um, workforce development and how they can uh, create legislation or pass legislation to support those efforts. So um, what did you hear? It was just a press conference. Um, session hasn't begun yet, but what did you hear the other day um, that may help the Workforce Alliance or other groups at, at, from a state level? So not so aside from right. federal funding. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm not really sure how to answer that because in the big, you know, as you would know, in the beginning of every session, there's tons of bills and, you know, everybody is, you know, putting out things that make sense and don't make sense. What I can tell you is that the, in addition to the five workforce boards in the state, there is a governor's advisory body. Um, and it's again, required, required by, by federal law. And that body had not been as effective over the last several years as it really needed to be. And Governor Lamont has totally revamped that that committee, it's called the Governor's Workforce Council. Uh, he tapped a guy named Garrett Moran, who is a former Wall Street uh, equity guy, uh, and then spent some time after that with a program called Year Up, which is for uh, uh, young young people, maybe 18 to 24, and uh, very long, one year long intensive program. So he has the kind of job training background too and put a very high powered board together. I mean, I think the, probably the jury will be out if they can get them all to show up. So like, you know, the, the president of Yale is there, the head of Electric Boat, uh, the head of Stanley Black and Decker, you know, you know people of that caliber. Uh, but w what I found, I've, I've, I've served on a couple of national boards, I'm still on one, and um, 
what I found that I see around the country is that the, the states that are successful in their, their kind of workforce development, economic development efforts are the states where those issues are top priorities of the governor. And this governor is really all in on economic development and workforce development. He comes to these meetings. So uh, I, I, and you know, we, we were asked by this new council, uh, we the five workforce board directors um, for uh, input on what kind of things they could do and what things could be done more quickly and what things could they do to help improve the system more quickly. So I, I, at least at this point, I'm very optimistic on the fact that the, that council has been formed, that the governor is kind of all in, and that, uh, that, uh, that the legislature is maybe paying a little bit more attention to this. I think you know, maybe the stars are aligned and things will be good. Does the Workforce Alliance rely on or, um, or is there some sort of trickle-down effect for the, from the Manufacturing Innovation Fund? I know that's a state state program. So we've obviously been keeping track of that. And we um, hear that funding is going to, or is diminishing, could be diminished. Um, so the worry is that the funding won't be restored or it won't be sustainable going forward. So is that, is the MIF funding, is that a part of the conversation the, the, statewide? The, you know, the fund is, as, as I understood how it was used mostly was um, to help companies sometimes with uh, some expansion, some equipment, but on the training side to, to work with incumbent workers, you know, so existing workers that needed to be reskilled to be able to, to uh, adjust, uh, adapt to the new technology or, you know, uh, uh, improvement in equipment and things like that, you know, more and more automation, you know, more and more AI starting to, to drive equipment. Um, so I'm not, um, I mean, it would be, you know, Continuing to train your existing workforce is, is as important, I think, as, as you know, uh, uh, getting new workers into, the, into your companies. Yeah, certainly. I mean, we recently had a, uh, a survey of our own um, that said that um, out of our members, um, which are thousands of businesses, uh, almost 30% of them, their top priority is training their right. workers. I saw that. 26%. Yeah, or 29 or... Something like that. Uh, and there was another figure in your report too that, um, oh, I know what it was. It was, your, it was your company's current most significant need and 60% of the respondents said workforce. You know, when, when you're at full employment, you know, and you have the unemployment rate that we have, you know, there's a perception that, you know, we're good and you don't need it. And, you know, and so we've talked about the numbers of openings and, and the need. And the individuals that are unemployed in a full employment economy need, usually need a lot more to bring them up to speed. You know, need, need a lot more intervention, need a lot more supports, need more training uh, to be able to take the job. So it's critical in terms of, you know, workforce. I, I had a mayor say to me, who I won't, I won't say who it was, <laughs> you know, well, we have all these job openings, we have all these people, uh, why don't we just put them to work? As if, you know, that was the, you know, that was the answer. You could just match people and, you know, uh, and you know there there are people who need a lot of uh, remediation academically before they can actually get into a training program or take a job. So uh, I think it's more important than ever that we start to concentrate on on bringing you know those people up to speed because we're we're the seventh oldest state in the country. We have anemic and sometimes negative population growth, and we unfortunately have. Uh, 
uh, out migration of that 18 to 24 group, you know, going south and going west and things like that. So, so it's like, if you can't hire who you want, you got to hire who you got. I mean, I, I haven't perfected that yet, but I mean, the reality is, is that, is that, you know, the, the, the individuals that we have, uh, are, you know, need more to be able to get them into the workforce and, and we have to do that. And I think the legislature um, putting the funds into the bond bill and making it a very broad and very flexible bill was, was, was a tremendous step in, in that direction. So we were just talking about, you know, maybe not 13,000 right now, yeah. but certainly thousands of sure? manufacturing yeah. jobs that are uh, unfilled and vacant right now. Um, but we just got the job numbers back from 2019, the entire year, and Connecticut only filled 700 manufacturing jobs, which is significant, um, but it's certainly not right. the thousand. So w where's the disconnect? Is it is it truly a shortage of skilled people, um, you know, the, making those connections to get these people into training programs? You know, we've been asking that question of our local manufacturers and, and to some degree, uh, a lot of the uncertainty with the tariffs and some of that uh, had really, uh, I think, interrupted, you know, some of, some of their growth. I had uh, one manufacturer tell me of their 140 or so customers, orders were down across the board. You know, people were just hesitant about it. And so I'm, you know... I'm not sure how much a role that that played. And, you know, there are, there are very, very specific demands. You know, I mean, a lot of the manufacturers that have managed to survive have done so because, you know, they found their, their niche. They've, they've, you know, they've uh, started to work internationally, you know, those kinds of things. And, uh, and there's very specific demands. I, I think for a long time, manufacturers were waiting for the system to deliver them who they needed, right? Whether it was the community college or other programs to, to, to do that. And I, I think what's been changing is that they've been, you know, as a group, much more, much more engaged. So I'll give you, I'll give you an example. So this five week manufacturing program, which is the core, our next step with that is going to be a plastics program. And uh, we were dealing with the plastics manufacturers, uh, and I have to say they were all in. You know, they were they were really at the table. Um, so we've developed a program where they said they want to keep the five-week core. They will add two weeks of classroom training in plastics, and then three weeks of uh, in-the-shop work. So it'll be a ten-week program. They again help design the program. They're uh, lending instructors. Some of them are giving equipment. They're helping Middlesex Community College revamp a room to be able to fit the equipment. You know, so I think that uh, they're becoming much more engaged, and that's really positive. You know, working with the schools, the Volk Tech schools, and um, and I hope that. And by the way, the 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 kind of slowdown in manufacturing employment is a nationwide issue. It's not just a Connecticut issue. So, uh, you know, we're hoping that with at least this initial relief or whatever we did with China recently, we'll, we'll start to put us back on a track and, and encourage people to, uh, you know, to, 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 to continue working and ordering and uh, producing. So Bill, if somebody is looking to get into the manufacturing field, how does Workforce Alliance match pre-apprentices pre with jobs? Well, if they're interested in getting in, the first thing they can do, they can go to our website, workforcealliance.biz. I mentioned it before. 
the New Haven manufacturer, there, there's a portal on our website, which uh, people just go, they, they uh, just put in some initial information, then they'll be scheduled for an assessment. And, you know, if they pass that, um, here's the other thing too, is, is, as I said, the, the assessment process is somewhat rigorous and, uh, sometimes the math stumble, people stumble on the math. So we've also implemented what we're calling affectionately a boot camp, so that if somebody, uh, doesn't do as well on the math and, you know, but they, we feel they can make it, uh, they go to this two week, very intensive boot camp, which I have to say I was very skeptical about, but seems to be working very well. That'll help them get through there. Uh, these portals exist on uh, the web pages of both Gateway Community College and Middlesex Community College. They're on the New Haven Manufacturers Association. Um, uh, and again, it's, it's, a, it's an easy kind of painless process to get in. Uh, in this 250 hours, by the way, I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, they come out with um, 250 hours of pre-apprenticeship training they also get uh, a Six Sigma certification, OSHA 10. Uh, so, uh, you know, they, it, it's, it's, it's a very intensive program. And, uh, uh, but you come out with a value to an employer that is far beyond anybody they could hire off the street, you know. And, and all of the employers understand so that whether you go into a metal fabrication shop or plastic injection molding or wherever you go, that they will do the balance of the training on the job, but you have the, you have the core. And we also have some funding that allows, uh, it's, it's called, it's an on the job training program. It fundamentally says that if the employer hires you and you need another six weeks, 10 weeks training on the job, you know, we will um, split the cost of wages with you to help defray some of that cost. So that's, that's another benefit for employers. They're getting somebody far and above, like I said, that they can hire off the street and also there's some assistance in terms of giving them some relief in that training that happens on the job. Are you going to repeat a lot of that at your annual meeting or is that something on April 1st or is that something um, separate? No, actually, so as we talked off air, uh, Ari Santiago from uh, IT Direct is gonna be our speaker who does the podcast Made in America. He's a friend of our pod as well. Yeah. he's. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, like I say, I did his, now I've got him coming back to do mine. But, you know, I, in my podcast, I talk a lot about economic development kinds of things and always a workforce flair. And uh, I, I've had three or four podcasts specifically on robotics, artificial intelligence, automation, and what how that's going to change the workplace. So uh, what I'm hoping from Ari is two things. One is he's in the IT business, so obviously he knows how that's affecting, you know, how we work and, and whether it's assistive or replacing. And he's also had 20 or plus podcasts with manufacturers, finding out all the different things that they're doing. So I'm hoping that he can kind of deal with both of those subjects, really kind of tell us what's going on and, and uh, what he sees happening and how he sees the future of AI affecting the jobs, especially in manufacturing. So your annual meeting, just for our listeners, um, so it's on April 1st, and yep. where, where's it gonna be? It's gonna be in New Haven at the Boathouse, which is right on Long Wharf, and, and uh, we'll have something up on our website soon, so if there are people interested, uh, there's no charge. Anyone that's listening right now that is interested in going into manufacturing or is thinking about it as a career potential, maybe an alternative to college, um, why, why should young people 
um, coming out of high school or um, even in college right now, why should they consider manufacturing as a great career path? You know, I mean, that, that's a good question because it's one of the things that the manufacturers are struggling with. You know, uh, manufacturing, had uh, they tried to um, debunk the myth of the, of the three Ds, and I've heard different ones, but it's like dirty, dark, and dangerous, you know, dingy, you know, there's any kind mm-hmm. of D word you can think of. Uh, and yeah, and that's not manufacturing anymore. It's convincing parents, I mean, it's not only convincing a young person, but it's convincing parents it's convincing people in school, and I would say, as long as we continue to judge superintendents by how many kids they send to college, as opposed to what they do, for, you know, college isn't for everybody. You know, I always thought that if, if I was doing marketing for the manufacturers, I would have a, in a magazine article, when you open the page, on one side of the page was somebody living in their parents' basement with their philosophy degree <laughs> and $200,000 of debt. Yes. And on the other side of the page is the person bounding down the stairs of their condo, getting in their car, driving to their manufacturing job, you know. Or we've, or we've even had um, at our manufacturing summit that we host in October, um, we've had young people in manufacturing jobs. Um, they're already buying houses, you know, getting right. married, starting families. And, Absolutely. you know, people know they come out with no student loans and they're able to make, you know, make that really great starting salary right. with no debt and they're able to save and start their lives much faster than, you know, some people in college. At this uh, event, I told you the press event that Rosa had yesterday, there was a woman from Webco, which is a plastics manufacturer. She mentioned uh, a 20 year old person that they hired that uh, at 20 was making a significant salary about to buy a house debt-free, you know. <laughs> Where did I go wrong? Yeah, right. Where did we go wrong, Katie? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sounds like a great return on investment. Do you see this as a breaking point? Is that just a hype right now, just like a turning point in our economy in Connecticut? Do you think, I, I mean, I could sense the positivity. I feel it. But do you think this is a different decade or different turning point in I, I think it certainly has the potential to be. Um, you know, I think that there's at times too much talk about um, we haven't recovered all our jobs, you know, and comparing us to Massachusetts and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and I think CBIA, you know, as, as the state's chamber, if you will, and the state's lead business group, you know, should be kind of leading that parade. Well, Bill, thank you so much for coming into our studio right. and talking with us right. today. Well, We've learned a lot. Thank you for inviting me and giving me the opportunity. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of CBIA's BizCast. For more workforce development news, legislation, and information, visit CBIA.com. See you next week.